welcome back to episode 28 of Sequel Pitch, the podcast where four film enthusiast friends review movies that don't have sequels and have a contest to see who the host thinks has the best idea for one. My name is Drew Toynbee, I am very happy to be back hosting this week, and joining me once again today to discuss our chosen movie and pitch me their sequels are the sweet, innocent teen babysitter of the group, Matt Rushton. Hey, you know it. (laughs) The, uh, the grizzled sheriff who is desperately just trying to piece it all together, Andy Henry. Oh, oh yeah, what, what's going on here? <laughs> He's now a pirate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going for Gruffle, but it did come out quite piratey. I mean, it was Gruff. There's, there's no it was a Gruff Pirate. That. It was a Gruff Pirate, yeah. fine. And um, finally, the uh, human personification of an inside-out William Shatner mask, Ross Armstead. <laughs> There's something in the wing. Something. <laughs> Hello. Spooky. Spooky. Ooh, Halloween episode. Ooh. It is a bit spooky. We've got a little bit slashy. Slash- slashery. Is that <laughs> an ad- adverb? We're a bit slashery. Um getting ready for Halloween, which is coming up as you're listening to this. So we have decided to watch the 2018 sequel sequel retcon, Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green and starring Jamie Lee Curtis returning uh, to the role of Laurie Strode from the 1978 original and the other most recognisable name in the cast, Judy Greer. And we'll discuss whether or not she's completely wasted in this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, Don't forget Nick Castle's back. Well, yeah. yeah, Okay. Kind of. <laughs> um, as always, before we get onto our review, just in case any listeners out there haven't seen the movie, we do our reasonably quick but almost certainly not 60-second summary of the movie um, so that you've got a broad idea of what we're going to talk about when we're using it for the sequels. So obviously, full spoilers ahead. Uh, if you want to go and pause and watch the film, do that. If not, I'm going to start. Now, it's 2018. It's been almost 40 years to the day since Michael Myers went on his brutal killing spree in Haddonfield, Illinois. Laurie Strode, one of the only survivors of his last rampage, has spent the last 40 years preparing for him to escape to the detriment of her relationships with her daughter, granddaughter and everyone around her. When Michael inevitably escapes captivity and begins a new murderous spree, he does his best to finish what he started, but Laurie is ready for him and they are drawn inexorably together into a showdown. In the end, whilst Laurie, her daughter Karen and granddaughter Alison seem to be victorious, locking Michael in the basement of a burning house, the audience see that he almost certainly escaped. Uh, Notable other plot points include the psychiatrist who's been studying Michael for years is obsessed with him and is the one who sets him free, Michael kills more babysitters and teenagers, and does Michael's mask possibly have magical powers? (laughs) Also, um, podcasters are inept idiots, (laughs) Um, so we'll, we'll cover that too. So, yeah, our first horror movie, um... So first off, I thought maybe we go round really quickly and get like, I know this is a little bit backwards. I don't want your scores, but like top level, what did you think? What was your journey with this film as you went through? Let's start with Ross. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I never saw the original. Um, and from the start, I actually, I thought it was a good homage to the original. Um, and I saw this at the cinema as well at, on Halloween so it was yeah so I actually enjoyed it um 
no, it's not an amazing movie, but I did thoroughly enjoy it when I saw it at the cinema. Second watch, yeah, not so much. But yeah, that's sort of my overall. I'll explain the reason why it wasn't that great on the second watch in a bit. Okay. Uh, Andy? Uh, so I haven't seen the original. Oh, well, I don't think so anyway. If I have, I, I can't remember it. So I was kind of looking forward to this one. I had a little sneaky look on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and I, got, I think it was about 79. So I was a bit like, oh, okay, this could be an actual kind of good reboot sequel. You know, this, this, could, uh, this could be worth it. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I don't think it was. Oh, okay. We'll get into that in a bit. And Matt, how about you? Uh, a little too long for my liking. Um, I'll be, I'll be really tried to bulk out the movie <laughs> with some side stories and little subplots and stuff. Um, Danny McBride's influence is more noticeable than I thought it was. Um, yeah. Upon second viewing <laughs> and realizing two he was a writer. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it's a, it's a, a, I think Ross nailed it. A homage to a classic slasher, but perhaps doesn't live up to the modern day horror. That's fair. Have you have you seen the original, Matt? I I feel like I have. Like I watched, I kind of YouTubed back through rather than watching the whole original again. And some of it, a lot of it, kind of sticks out in my mind with you know the journey of Laurie and uh, Mike Myers, but a lot of it doesn't as well. So fair enough. I for me, I I'm. I'm just dreadful with horror films, listeners. I, 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 I understand that a lot of people rightfully enjoy horror movies in the same way that I enjoy a roller coaster. And it's that feeling of adrenaline afterwards that people enjoy. But I don't get that with horror movies. I get it with roller coasters. But with horror movies, I'm just angry that, that I've made myself scared <laughs> for, for no reason when I could have been making myself excited or happy or various other things. Um, so I had never watched this one. I'd never watched the original. Um, I found the original and so on Amazon Prime. So I was like, I'll stick this on. And good Lord, it is dated. Yeah. And it does some good, it does some good tension building, but it's, it does, it, it feels dated. Um, certainly, and yeah, as far as I was concerned with this one, I, I'm yeah, I'm basically a mix of everything you guys have said. It 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 has some effective moments, and I think it does some interesting stuff with the characters and where we find them forty years later. But in terms of overall execution, I I felt like it was fairly middling. Um, so speaking of characters and character journeys, how did you guys find? the idea of ignoring 40 years of slowly declining in quality, as I understand it, horror movies, and just retconning it all and going, no, we're going, the original film are doing 40 years later. How effective did, how effective did you guys find that? I enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's a kind of note to John Carpenter and Blumhouse Productions for taking this on and saying, I'm sorry, no, I what you guys did no we're not interested we're going to pull this back what how it should have been they wanted it darker um they were looking for something that had a bit more edge to it and so i kind of respect what they've done with it and i think they try to fill in some character arcs where possible certainly with laurie they kind of talk about a couple of failed marriages 
obviously she's had kids and now is a grandmother. Um, so I, I think they do what they can to re-embellish this character and remind people. I actually think Jamie Lee Curtis's performance, for the most part, is pretty solid. I think mm-hmm. some of the acting in this is actually quite impressive. Some yeah. questionable. So it's kind of tricky to measure on that, but I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis delivers quite a rounded performance. Um, you believe that she's a bit mental, but you believe that she'll also kick your ass. And <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there was some character... I was getting ready to learn about these podcasters. You mentioned it. I was getting ready to discover what the babysitter had in store, but actually they're just murder fodder. They yeah, serve yeah. no purpose whatsoever to the movie. That's one of the things that pisses me off quite a lot when you get invested into characters that are just duff. Do you know but, why? I, well, do you know why I like this movie? Because there's child murder. Yay! Yay. Ross's favourite. <laughs> yeah, child. They they kill the kid who like he's in the car with his dad being taken out to go hunting at midnight on a school night, <laughs> and he wants to do dance. And, yeah, he just wants to be a dancer, and his dad's yeah, like, in the "Fuck car no!" Going, like, it's <laughs> Billy Elliot's there in the car, like, "I love you, dad, and I'll always come hunting on the weekends, yes. but I just, I just want need to dance, dance. dad. I want and then to he dance." Gets at 12 at night please let me down yeah <laughs> just a lot of but it's all these things are just wasted time in my opinion like first like seven minutes i think when uh the podcasters go to the hospital uh and see michael and do the whole masks thing just for me was nothing it was a complete waste it didn't, i mean I, they could have done that within like 90 seconds and had it effective but there was just there was one point when he was like oh do your shoelaces up because this patient will have a go at you or, or or charge at you or something and then he does his laces up and then the guy you know never comes back or anything it's just and like yeah this time the, the, the do you guys remember the tarantino conversation the two cops were having the two like roadside cops at one mm. point and they talk about mm. a japanese baguette and you're just like get on to the killing i was i was i was thinking a, a knife was going to come through one of their heads so i was kind of waiting and, and then no to cut back to the other car and i was like yeah i'm I'm all for cutting to really quippy humanistic dialogue in a hor- in a horror movie. Because I I I, do, I have watched some horror movies, and I and levity in horror is incredibly mm. important. Yeah, and so I was fine with that, but I wanted more of those or none of those. Yeah, but just, just short the one. Yeah, the one scene of Vicky and the kids she's babysitting having banter, which was great, and I really liked that. Mm. But it lasted for. A minute, and then those characters are gone. It's a bit of a dick dead. prank, a dick prank that she did though, when she was like well, in the room, I'm... and then she was like, "Oh my god, it's a man!" And she's like, "Boo!" I was even a bit like, "You even I." You tell like... me, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Of of the four All of right. us here, you're the one who would. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, actually, no, Ross. Probably <laughs> yeah, would yeah. That kid, um, um, Mike. That kid is my spirit animal. Spirit animal, where he literally <laughs> goes, "Oh shit!" Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And runs away. <laughs> he runs downstairs. Like he, he's upstairs, and Vicky is being dragged into the bedroom to be brutally stabbed to death. And he's like, "I'm gonna go and get help." Yeah. Runs downstairs, finds her boyfriend, and immediately says, "Don't go up there. You're, <laughs> You're gonna, gonna get die. fucking murdered." Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's not getting help, kid. <laughs> what are you talking about? And the, the boyfriend was, like, revving the engine at one point as well, but it didn't, like, muffle the screams, which I thought was weird. It would have been a classic, like, horror. Mm. If he, she's screaming for her boyfriend, but he's there just cockily revving up this bike that he doesn't own. He's just kind of, like, stumbled upon the garage. But okay. he doesn't, and then it falls over, and then, like, she screams. So it was a bit like, well, what was the point in that? When he's just staying in the living room? I think, 
I think they just needed a reason for him to be, to be out outside the, yeah. and Smoking rather a spliff. than just oh yeah just have yeah, a smoke ra- outside or something like well, yeah but so, that's I just less... felt a lot was so much but yeah, yeah. I, Inter- I mean in terms of in terms of building the tension while she's inside like he's got to have something to do that's more than just smoking a spliff and being on his yeah. phone like scrolling Indian. twitter it would have been classic and tropey but that's what you want in, I, mean, in I, kind, I of... kind of vibe with Andy, but I also feel like Andy hate it. Henry's back again. So I feel like Andy's really going in on the deep end of it. <laughs> this is terrible. No, but my... I do kind of agree. There are some points that would just... For me, you could have knocked 15 minutes off this movie by concentrating on some characters yeah. and not having, like you say, invested time into characters that ultimately you're going to kill off. I... I... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, going back to what uh, Drew said about the character and, and skipping the other movies and making this one sort of like the next one. In it, I think it worked much better and it worked. You, you're you cutting out seven films worth of stuff. I think there's Halloween 2, mm-hmm. Halloween season th- uh, Seasons of the Witch, Halloween H2O, Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> Halloween 1 and 2 that Rob Zombie did not so oh, long ago. Um, bear with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween 2, 3 Season of Witch, 4 Return of Michael Myers, 5 Revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers, <laughs> Halloween H2O 20 years later, yeah. like, Halloween I... Resurrection, then another one that is just called Halloween, then another Halloween 2, <laughs> and then we're back to Halloween again. <laughs> so we're pitching Halloween 2 again, basically, the, the third, yeah. second we're, Halloween. We're pitching we're pitching the third Halloween second Halloween movie. <laughs> so Boom. I think I think you know doing it forty years later, trying to go back to an homage and um, homaging the original is is a good shout. And it's got some really good moments in this movie. Like one of the scenes I really really like is the tracking shot of Michael Myers walking down the street and him just going into yeah. the house, killing those like people, and then. Um, mm. And then coming back out again. There's no, there's no dialogue. There's nothing. It's just the the slow music that they use from the original, um, which I really like. I, I thought that was cool. And I was also weirdly, I know I joked about it, seeing a child get killed. You don't really see that anymore. No, it like, definitely brings no. something, didn't it? Yeah. But I mean, motherfuck this movie. Like after they killed a. 13 year old at the beginning and then he kills the woman in her kitchen and then walks towards the crib with the baby crying in it and Mm. hilariously in the in our first episode of this podcast i was like oh i think my my catchphrase is going to be speaking as a newish dad (laughs) and i've literally not said it for 28 episodes (laughs) but holy shit when he was walking towards the cot with Mm. the crying kid in it i was just instantly like i'm turning this if he if he takes one more step towards that baby i'm turning this film off i will not be able to sit through it and luckily they didn't have him go that far but then rubbing his hands together (laughs) well and then and then the little the kid who's being babysat as well by vicky like Mm. that i and killing the killing billy elliot at the beginning of the film does give it jeopardy yeah. and make you go oh my god he could kill anyone but then also like i find it odd that he kills some people and not others like he's locked in the back of a police car with allison yeah and just ki- just kicks his way out and doesn't touch her but then stamps other people the... just randomly kill stamps on the dude's head <laughs> which <laughs> 
that was that was a step too far as well like the, the way the as in as in it it was too ridiculous yeah it yeah. could have yeah if they'd was... pulled if they'd pulled back on the gore it would have been more effective for me in that moment because it just <laughs> well, there was... like someone had stamped on some pink toothpaste <laughs> there was some bits so it was like what is his strength like there was a guy that had his jaw like down on the bottom on... of a desk yeah. like at the beginning yeah, yeah. in the garage like he'd been curb stomped like... on a table <laughs> yeah and also I know it's a I know it's a horror film, so you've got to suspend the disbelief. But Michael Myers managed to take the the husband of the the daughter oh, and shove yeah. him in a and shove him in like the cupboard, like squished up, and then <laughs> place was, all those outside, models as well. He was outside uh, on the lawn yeah. first of all, so he dragged <laughs> him upstairs, like, and then put him upstairs in a closet within like seven seconds. All with like, <laughs> I think he was injured at this point as well or something. I know yeah, you've obviously yeah, she got, shot, she just shot got him to in suspend your disbelief. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a horror yeah. film, so well, you've got to just go, and go yeah. Is he, also, is he supernatural, though? Because Drew said that's this, exactly it. my point. Yeah. Well, I think that they say it in the movie where it's like he he's fueled by the, the revenge. He wants to have that revenge, so he'll stop <laughs> at nothing. Kill Laurie. So yeah, I'm fueled by hunger a lot of the time, and I still <laughs> will probably get shot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, it, it is. Uh, as I understand it from from uh, huge amounts of very scientific research reading Wikipedia, the the subsequent movies that did come out in this franchise very much went down the he is like evil he is possessed mm. or he's evil incarnate route, and whereas the first one really doesn't suggest that at all. And I I did I liked that it kind of was ambiguous. Yeah. in this one and that it's like okay he might just be so damaged mentally or like he might even have like chemical imbalances in his brain so he can't feel pain although he does because he reacts when when he goes oh. he blows his fingers off and so, but like he he gets shot in the face judy he greer gets, shoots yeah. him in the face <laughs> he gets shot like and three times with at a least. rifle with a hunting rifle <laughs> Like his in, in, in his whole head, like the whole right side of his head would be gone, um, and so like I I kind of I admired the way that they had constructed it so that you could take it that he's supernatural if you want, but you can also say no he's not. But actually, I would much rather they just picked a lane mm. because it it the ambiguity actually ended up pissing me off because I was like you have to read this as supernatural yeah. because. He's like he he does the mask seems to have like magical powers. That's kind of yeah. what I took away from it more. I was like, yeah, it's once he's put the mask on, he's basically he he might be killable, killable, um, when he's in human form without the mask. But yeah, I I always <laughs> took it when he put the mask on. Basically, he was also I couldn't take it seriously. Every time they said Michael Myers, I just was imagining someone running away with Austin Powers behind them. <laughs> <laughs> I um <laughs> one of the best lines in this whole movie is lock your doors I'm a doctor. I was like <laughs> what the fuck it, like why would someone go oh shit he's a doctor we better lock our doors no, what about the police officers nope I'm a doctor lock your doors. Yeah like I swear deputizing civilians hasn't <laughs> been a thing since like the old west but they're just like oh yeah this this old man who's been shot in the shoulder let's bring him 
And I like all hell. I like all the traps and I like all the like things that she constructed in the house. However, mm. how did she construct swords to come out of the floor uh, <laughs> at, not even out of the floor out of the sides of the thing and lock michael myers inside because they're they're not like bars they're sort they're kind of like swords and i was like what and they don't they don't come out of a hole as well they pierce through the wood yeah, they bust through the to be wood honest she perfectly. she would have had to rip up that little island in the kitchen she would have had to rip that take literally taken that out so she probably would have taken up taken up the floorboards at that point put in some sort of like well, it, she it, needs. It, it, it could have been done. I don't know where she's got in, all this money to do this fucking house shit up. If she has flashbacks, they do show her mum working on different structures. Mm. Um, Alright. Just kind yeah. of one little flashback. I mean, just because she's just welding, welding. Just because she knows how to weld doesn't mean she knows how to make a fucking <laughs> a sword trap thing. Absolutely. Well, she, clearly yeah, she I does. I know I, how to. Yeah. I, I, she's been I, doing I, it for 40 years. Just studying that. My. My favorite, I think, my favorite moment of the film was Judy Greer with the rifle, mm. and she's in the basement pointing it at the empty, the empty entrance to the basement, and she's weeping, going like, "Mom, I can't do it. I, I'm sorry, I can't do it." And then he steps into into frame, and then her face immediately shifts. Yeah, that's such and, a good moment. And she shoots yeah, him in the face. Got you that now. Was, and all of a sudden, just that whole thing of, oh, my God, this is something that they rehearsed when she was a kid. The plan was always that she would go down there with a gun and if and and she would say that she's scared and helpless so that he appears so she can shoot him. And that it, it spent so long with me just not being invested in their relationship but literally the last 10 minutes of yeah. the movie yeah. kind of mm. made me like the whole film more i didn't yeah. like even that i, I was going gone gone true no no you go you go i was just gonna say like on the sort of investing thing yeah there are some bits that you just don't invest in what is with the 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 daughter and her boyfriend who randomly turns into a, a man massive Complete dick out of nowhere time. also leaves his leaves her phone in that thing which no one would do because phones cost one thousand pounds now why would you yeah, leave and it? it was still it was still ringing <laughs> yeah. like you could hear it still ringing through the bowl of blancmange <laughs> she looked like at this kid's party like she why didn't she just go and pick it up? I get um, that you yeah. have to have little bits of story with these people that you have to see die in horrible ways. But it just for me, like like Matt said and and you said, like those stories just didn't hit me. And I I agree with you actually. That bit at the end actually was quite good. However, they didn't do that for the entire movie. You didn't really get mm. a sense of their relationship until right at the end, like you said. Yeah, and like. Outside of the restaurant, when um, when Laurie's Laurie's just kind of come back because she's just seen Michael being transported away from the prison, and she's really like distraught, and she embarrasses Karen, uh, and then Karen's like, "I'm I'm I'm glad you saw that." And then in the middle of a car park, yeah. just says to her daughter, "I never told you how I was raised." And then flashback, and we sit, and it's just like, "What really? You <laughs> never you never explained any of this to your like eighteen year old child." Never. That felt that felt so clunky. All it needed to be was. 
I, I'm glad you saw that. I like I know I've always told you the stories that she was raising me and teaching me to shoot and defend myself, but hopefully this has made it more real. Mm. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool, right, great. Mm. But instead, it's just like, hey, what's the clunkiest way we can do this? <laughs> it's almost like she says flashback, <laughs> flashback. And we just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pan the camera. Actually, that's. In, <laughs> I got a. I got a note that says. I think it was during the the time when she, uh, Michael Myers was getting <laughs> Michael Myers was getting um, transported because she um, Laurie drives to him and mm. finds him and I was always just a bit like if she didn't do that would he have found her and her family did she kind of I think like, this is part of this like he keeps finding her he keeps going and finding Laurie throughout the movie or finding the family so originally, like, for me like, I believe all, like, like again that's the kind of mysticism of this mask and the mysticism of uh, Mike Myers is that he's hunting down. Yeah, but she Laurie she ultimately. found him first. So, but she always knew well, yeah, he was but, there, no, no, and she, I think she he was, would have found she, her anyway. She was just parked outside the prison to make sure that the bus left without any problems happening. Because when he escapes in the first movie, he breaks out like. He steals the car he's being transported away from the hospital in. Uh, okay, so she's there I missed just in case okay. he immediately breaks out so she can shoot him in the face. Uh, okay. I just and got then note. the bus drives away. I, I see. That is that is pretty good then. That's got a nice callback. I just, yeah, I just want my notes. So I was just like, would he have actually ever found her? Because she would have moved house probably and all that lot. So it's just... Well, yeah, exactly. If, it, she, if she had just moved away, none of this would have been a problem. Um, actually, but there we go. Yeah, go on. Sorry, I was I was just gonna say like when when the podcasters was talking to her at the start, that was a really good time for exposition and stuff and past history. And I just I I, I obviously didn't watch the first film, so I feel I missed. I think another line or two. I don't know what it would have been, but I think another line or two would have just helped me go. Oh, I've completely caught up. Um, I mean, but... the thing is, the first movie doesn't like it doesn't add context for I why guess, he does yeah, these things. Yeah. Like aside from. He, he killed he killed his teenage killed his sister, sister in 1963, got institutionalized for 15 years, and then broke out, and then Murdered promptly went to look for more teenage girls to kill, and killed some other people as he went. I guess that's like, that's it. Film, so yeah, yeah, I guess maybe maybe yeah yeah. I guess so. there was nothing nothing to catch up on the fir- from the first one. So. Yeah, they're they're really you can. Yeah. I feel very confident that you could just sit down and watch this, and it would work as a sort of standalone thing. Um, yeah, I think we've kind of we've covered most stuff. There, there are there are some excellent performances from people who don't have all that much to do. There's some really really bad scripting. The um, the twist of the psychiatrist turning out to be a baddie oh, is completely that. wasted. I hate yeah. that so much. I was like, they could I have want... built that up pretty well and stuff we need and then... to study him for no reason whatsoever come on yeah. i'm going I mean... to i'm going to totally forget about all of my years and years of being a psychiatrist <laughs> and then just yeah. fucking hell stupid please talk to me talk to me please yeah some fucking <laughs> harley yeah, quinn shit been... in it it's basically just like yeah. <laughs> the mike myers version of harley quinn yeah. <laughs> well yeah except that it's just constant negging through silence <laughs> like mike michael has spent 40 years not talking to this dude <laughs> to the extent that he's so desperate to get a reaction for him he will murder a police officer <laughs> and crash a prison bus <laughs> to facilitate it uh, oh yeah, the dad. The dad gets peanut butter on his penis at one point, and then has to state that. Oh, I've got peanut yeah, butter on my was, penis. That was obviously probably a Danny weird. McBride. But it, again, just like 
just say jeans or something, man. Like, why did you need to say that? And then the doctor kind of goes like, ew, dad. And it's probably done for comedy. But did anyone, did everyone just go like, what the fuck? I I felt like that was there to just humanize the dad. But the, <laughs> the, the last thing that I would, that I kind of felt like I picked up on in this film was, so there's um, Alison's parents are going to meet her boyfriend and they're intimating that he's from a dodgy family and then they go to dinner and it goes quite well but the dad is saying that he bought peyote off of (laughs) the boyfriend's dad when they were in school and they tripped balls in the woods but i i felt like there was a really clear message because ultimately that kid just turns out to be a dick and then he disappears from the movie yeah and then his friend tries to kiss Alison and then gets murdered for it um and 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 so there's obviously this film is kind of rooted in me too and it's about victims having agency and taking control um and likewise there's the whole thing of the doctor saying about michael that like he's kind of saying he's misunderstood and the podcaster's doing it as well like oh there might be something to learn do you feel sorry do you like it suggests that they feel like he he might not be as guilty as he seems and it feels like this movie is basically saying no 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 sometimes your first impressions of people are correct <laughs> and that kid from the dodgy family will be a dick and that 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 serial killer who might have had an awful childhood or be mentally ill is actually just evil incarnate and this geeky fat friend kid will be a creep like it's just it 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 felt really bizarre yeah. that the message of this mil- of this film is no no some Sometimes, if you think some motherfucker's evil, don't try and have empathy with them. Make sure you hit them with a car. <laughs> Shoot them in the face. And and so, yeah, I kind of... I don't, I don't think a horror film needs to have a deeper message to be effective. Like, Jaws has, um, like, has B-plots about Chief Brody and his relationship with his kids and the fact that he left his job in New York and that and moving to a strange town and and settling into a new community and all of that kind of stuff but the film is ultimately about people fighting and killing a shark that's eaten people and so i don't think that horror films need to have deeper themes to be effective but i felt like this could have they i wish they'd lent into the me too thing and the victim empowerment more frankly because it spent so long being like oh laurie's a bit mental isn't she i mean we all we as the audience know that she's right but it still paints her as being like all these people aren't being like come on just let it go oh just let it go she's got it's the time crazy to let go hair. of michael now yeah but yeah, anyway, that that's just my rambling thoughts. So let's wrap it up and do some scores um, quite quickly. Let's go same order, top to bottom again. Ross, what's your score? Uh, I'm going to give it uh, 3.5 uh, psychiatrist heel turns out of five uh i like the music i like the homage um the there are some pointless plot lines in it and some pointless characters uh but on the whole um 
it's it's a good movie. Uh, so yeah, three point five. Cool, Andy. Uh, my biggest note on my notepad basically is just boring. I, I think is the for me it was more of a bad ninety minute BBC drama than a, than a horror movie. Um, a horror movie that to me doesn't have much horror in it. I thought it was a very brave move for a horror film not to have much <laughs> horror in it. But um, I not that I hate it. Again, just very boring. Uh, I can't remember what's the other one I gave, but I'm going to give another one piece of shit. Holy crap. Yeah, just just not, didn't <laughs> yeah, like I, any of it. To be I honest, don't man. hate it, but one just, out of just, five. No, just, there's nothing. The lowest score nothing we can I like give. it, basically. I can give Have you it given lower. any other ones before? There was one other one. I can't yeah, remember Suicide Squad. Oh, that was it, yeah. Ah. I would watch Suicide Squad before, uh, before I watch this again. I just... fast becoming the harshest critic on the show. <laughs> I feel like you're yeah, gunning absolutely. for some position within this show, Andy. Like, yeah. I just fucking well, hate well, yeah. it. There's always got to be one nasty one, isn't there? And so it's, it's going to You're Simon Cowell. Basically, that. you're Simon Cowell in <laughs> oh, this production. No. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> um, Matt, what's your score? Um, I'm going to jump closer to Ross's score. In fact,. I'm going to match Ross's score. I think he touched on a lot of things. There's some good performances. Um, we've noted Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I like the idea of having a bit of kind of dive back and homage to what is a horror classic. That's why we picked it ultimately. Um, so I'm going to give it three and a half blown off fingers out of five. <laughs> Very nice. Um, and yeah, for me, it's very very similarly has it's not put me off watching more horror movies i think this has kind of made me go oh okay you know i i didn't watch it as the filmmaker intended it i watched it on a phone (laughs) on a train um on the way to and from birmingham in two parts so um you know if i've been watching it in the dark with the sound up high and all the lights turned off I'm I'm I might be more put off horror movies. Um I think there is there's it's an admirable concept and idea. There are some good performances. There's I think it builds some effective tension, but there is there are some proper clunkers in the script and there are some like proper proper gaping plot holes when you actually start to apply any kind of thought or logic to this movie yeah. um so i'm going three stomp psychiatrist heads who are you trying to impress who are you guys trying to impress <laughs> it's too high all no, you I, two I, I, you're I all, so you're all recommending it basically yeah yeah Re- okay. i'd recommend i'm gonna go see the movie. sequel i think the actual sequel yeah um. i i would well yeah the sequel which um, comes out for anyone listening on release day today. Oh, so you go can go out and that. watch. You can go and watch the official sequel after as soon as you've as soon as you finish listening to this. Go and buy a ticket and tell them we sent you. <laughs> Please. Please tell people that you listen to our podcast. And all be um, gobsmacked when my yeah. pitch is blatantly the sequel that they've produced because <laughs> oh my god, that good. I will be. I will be. I, I can't wait for that movie to come out and then we can actually see how these match up. Um, so that gives us an average score of 2.75. So Andy's exceptionally low review. So don't basically what Don't we can, watch it. 
what we can we've we are discovering that we can game the system and if one of us <laughs> really hates a movie if we rate it a one then kind of as a podcast it doesn't get a recommendation <laughs> unless the others all go really high um but yeah 2.75 and if listeners are interested our average scores over 28 movies um andy is definitely the most negative um <laughs> We have coming in highest just is me with 3.54, um, followed incredibly closely by Ross at 3.53. Oh. Um, then we have Matt at 3.49. Oh, no. So we're all banging oh, the 3.5 well, like... stars range. And Andy is at 3.09. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, like, Andy. Over, over 28 movies, you are half half a half a rating point behind all of us such like, a consistently. cynic such a cynic no you're just too so, generous you're yeah. just too <laughs> you... anyway oh, so that's the review we've gone a bit long i'm very sorry for that so we're going to swiftly move into the pitching section so boys it is spooky time to get your spooky sequels a pitched <laughs> The rules of the pitch are very simple. You'll all have a chance to pitch me your ideas without interruption. You can explain the plot, the themes, the the part. You can explain the plot, the themes, everything you want to get across to me. Then I might have a couple of questions for you. We'll see. Then we go into the debate phase where the three of you go head to head and tell me why yours is the best in the context of the other two. So we're going to get the show on the road, starting with last week's host, Matthew Rushton. Hello. Hello. Hello, Matt. So... Um, my sequel pitch is just Halloween again, but they're changing the two L's to the Roman numeral for two. I love it. I, you've won. Yes. I love it. I've got, <laughs> I've got problems. <laughs> yeah, you can keep your problems. <laughs> I haven't even started yet. Um, basically, three years later, three surviving victims and three times the horror. Who knows? Doesn't fit with Halloween 2 at all. The sequel with three times the horror. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Two times the horror. Three times the victims. (laughs) Anyway, right, Matthew, whenever you're ready. Thank you very much. Three years have passed and life is beginning to correct itself. Alison and Karen are a strong mother-daughter team, seen in the opening montage, and Grandma Laurie is seeming to get along with a daughter too. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger is heard playing over the montage, but it's kind of interlaced with the uh, infamous Halloween track. And it's like a crackly vinyl version of the song, and you'll keep hearing that throughout, but I haven't put it in the rest of the pitch. Uh, There's an annual memorial event now held on October 31st to mark the tragic events of 2018. And and basically this year, the memorial's interrupted by a man wearing a really like knockoff Mike Myers mask. But everyone panics and the man's, man ends up getting arrested. Uh, it turns out it's Ezra Miller playing a character I haven't named him. And we discover that he's a delinquent and a little too fascinated with Mike Myers. Uh, he's charged with breaching the peace but he's released. And we discover when he gets home, in, and he lives in a trailer or something, that he is a kind of shrine to Myers, saying that it's that Haddonfield is like a hellgate. Uh, clearly this guy's into some fucked up shit, basically. Um, in the centre of the shrine are two things. There's a charred bit of what looks like to be Mike Myers' mask and a kitchen knife with blood on, both of which can be recalled to the 2018 movie through flashbacks. 
Ezra says that he hopes he did him proud, and a ghostly voice seems to speak to him. He says one word, blood. It seems to come from the mask, and Ezra cuts his hand and bleeds onto the mask, but nothing happens that night. The next day, the camera acts as as the eyes of Ezra Miller, um, and from a blackout, he seems to blink, and it seems as though there's a bag or something over his head. Um, and the person, and you know, the camera's representing his eyes. Hands go past the eye sockets and grab the cover, but it won't come off. So we see through one shot, the guy gets up out of bed, goes to a mirror, and of course the mirror reveals it's Ezra Miller's character, and he has a reformed Myers mask over his face. He suddenly feels a sharp pain in one of his eyes, and his eye greys over, and the scar appears that uh, the original Mike Myers has. So it's kind of full-on homage at this point. Once the pain ends, the mask actually seems to loosen, and as he kind of takes it off, the face is revealed to be part Ezra Miller character and part Nick Castle from the original movies. Uh, it's really fucked up, basically. Um, <laughs> Miller has a flood of flashbacks, basically seeing what Laurie and her, what her, Laurie and her family did to Myers in the 2018 movie, um, and he suddenly yearns for revenge. That's that's all that kind of starts filling him up. The hunt begins from this point onwards. Firstly, they go to Laurie's old house, and there's a bunch of teenagers hanging out there, being all teenagery, smoking weed, snogging, shagging, um, all that <laughs> shit. Myers basically just kills them all. Uh, searches the basement, it goes down into the basement and finds the fireplace poker in there that he was using. He was going to attack the family with. He takes that with him because why not? A couple who've been busy in the woods appear at the worst possible time and Myers kills them both, but not before one of the people takes out their phone and video records what they've seen, all the dead bodies, and they pan up and there's Mike Myers as he kills them. So that's all been live streamed. Laurie and the family see this and they despair. Shit, he's back, fuck, I thought we killed him. They basically then arm up and realise that they need to take this fight away from civilization. Of course, not before Mike Myers kills some more innocent people for no reason randomly, apparently, because that's what they did in 2018. So we'll do that again. <laughs> they find themselves somehow <laughs> randomly back in the yard of Laurie's old home with all the mannequins everywhere. And the three women arm up and they lay a load of traps. Myers manages to outsmart a lot of them, kind of like as if he's predicting Laurie now that he's worked her out. But Alison predicts this for some weird reason, or maybe Karen, and they set up a double bluff trap, which includes a bear trap and a can of petrol. They burn him again and he appears to be dead, but the mask isn't destroyed, so therefore Myers rises, albeit looking a bit weaker because the mask is a bit burnt and it's starting to flake away. The women work out that the mask is what needs to be destroyed, and eventually, after looking like they could all die at different points somehow, um, they manage to hack off Myers' head, and I've got an idea that it's like some improvised trap or weapon. Maybe one of Laurie's traps, as I said. Um, but this time, like, crazy Karen, the daughter, intentionally sets it off and just ducks out the way of this cheese wire kind of thing just before <laughs> it hits her. And he's behind, just like, oh, he's about grabbing, his head gets chopped off. Um, they success. They burn the mask again, like, they burn the head in a fire and they collect all the ashes and they scatter it off a cliff edge. And surely that's the end. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Very good. Um, I okay. My only question for you is: 
do you have a message or a moral that you're trying to put on this story or is this just a good old slasher sequel my message is you should have gone for the head Um, no i must admit i hadn't quite dived into the 2018 movie like you did with the with the message and the morals behind it this was just a good old-fashioned follow-on bring in someone like ezra miller who's got a bit of a creepy vibe to him anyway i thought he'd nail that character in the first bit um but ultimately focus more in on that one family rather than having a shitload of subplot let's just bring the story to one big face off okay cool beans right up next we are gonna have please ross harmston hello my sequel is called halloween 2 trick or torture michael (laughs) myers is back looking for revenge but now his fame has grown this will be the true test for Laurie and family to end it once and for all. In the opening of the movie, we see the smouldering ruin of Laurie's house. Inside the ruins are a crime scene investigators. They go down to the basement to find a body hidden under some stuff. It's Michael! They think he's dead, but he pops up and Game of Thrones style crushes one of their heads and kills all of them in brutal ways. Cut to the title of the movie and we see two pumpkins rotting this time. Cut to the hospital. We pan from the outside where it is full of reporters recounting all the stuff from the first movie. We see that Michael Myers is now kind of infamous and, uh, or at least he's starting to be. The camera goes into the hospital and we see Laurie and the family recounting to the police what happened. Maybe there's a, like an FBI agent there and they tell her Michael bo- Michael's body wasn't found uh, and wasn't able to be recovered. But not to worry, as they'll put her in witness protection. Uh, Laurie is dubious. Cut to the forest. We see Michael walking visibly injured. He stumbles upon a family who stopped because of a flat tyre. He crushes the dad's head in the bonnet of the car and then kills the others' inventive ways, especially the kids. He gets in the car and drives off. Cut to the words. Cut to the words. A year's late. A year later, Hallow's Eve. We see Laurie and the family uh, are by this secluded beach house. We see Laurie waking up. She now has short hair like the old school Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, She looks at the calendar and it's circled on Hallow's Eve. She looks outside. We see undercover police officers. Maybe she gets them a coffee or something. The family have a scene together before Alison has to go to school. On the way to uh, on the way to school, Alison thinks she sees Michael everywhere. Clearly, she has PTSD. Her mum, uh, mum Karen, plays it, uh, downplays it, and says nothing is going to happen tonight. Alison leaves, and then Karen cries in the car, still affected by the events of the first and second movie. Um, cut to back home and we have some mother-daughter scenes maybe both of them shooting guns or something talking about the past and all the death that is affecting them cut to just outside the town and we see the boots of the actual michael myers half burned and he's found out where they have moved to maybe he kills an old man by shoving the walking stick down his throat or something um Cut to school, and Alison is still thinking everyone is uh, Michael again, but maybe 
she is this time thinking that they are and maybe he is there standing in the background who knows we established that she's very much a recluse since what happened to her a girl asks her if she wants to come to a party tonight so she rings up her mum and even though karen wants to say no she knows the family need to be normal again so agrees it's evening now and we have another tracking shot of Michael killing people on the way to lorries. Um, he then gets to the police officers outside and kills them so, so bad. Um, Laurie comes out to give them coffee and realises that they are dead and there is a bloody picture of Alison on the body. She then bumps into what looks like Michael Myers, but it's actually a guy in a costume. Um, she runs back in the house, tells Karen to grab a gun, and they get in the car and go to look for Alison. Cut back to the party. There, This is where we have some stalking the teens. This is not going to be like five minutes. This is going to be quite a bit. Um, killing them off, snapping necks and cashing checks. Uh, proper <laughs> old school cat and mouse scenes. Uh, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> call back to uh stepbrothers uh maybe the daughter injures uh him to show uh that he's uh, that she's a bit stronger than the last film the family arrive we have a chase scene that ends with laurie and michael being stabbed mortally uh and as the two lie here uh as the two lie there we have a touching goodbye from laurie and as laurie passes away we hear the breathing of michael stop end of movie Question mark. Ooh. <laughs> question mark. I like it. Um, okay, then same question as for Matt. Have, have you have you thought about theming or anything that you're that you um, wanted to put onto this? Yeah, I mean, on on the whole, I want it to be a uh, a sort of a slasher film, but I also wanted to, you know, focus on how these characters would be after all these horrific events uh, happened and how they would go forward from there. And also, yeah, I want to work on the family as a unit. Um, So, yeah, that was sort of the themes that I wanted to, like, work on. Not really anything on Michael, but, yeah, just um, sort of the family themselves. I mean, cool. Yeah, no, it is not my place to interject now. Um, So... Thank you very much, Ross. We will move on to our final picture of the evening, Andy. Okay. Um, I've only got Halloween 2 at the moment. I've got Halloween Scream, but Scream's also another, no. like, yeah, all right. Or <laughs> just, like, a... <laughs> no. There you no. go. I'll cross it off, don't worry. Um, it wasn't my Halloween favorite or anything. I'm going to rip you apart <laughs> for it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with a generic, The Nightmare Continues. Okay. Nice. Uh, so we open on a babysitter putting a child to sleep. When the babysitter goes down the stairs and walks past a mirror, she thinks she sees someone in the reflection. We have a few cl- uh, classic horror mirror gags, and, when, and then we see Michael. Uh, there's a chase around the house, and the babysitter runs upstairs into the kid's room and barricades the door. Michael starts to slowly break through, so the babysitter goes to pick up the kid and escape out the window. Except, except when she gets close, she sees the bed is full of blood. As she picks up the boy's body, his head stays on the pillow. As she screams, Jesus the head Christ. rolls off the bed and hits the floor. Michael breaks in and kills the girl. Title. <laughs> Killers and kids. <laughs> Fuck, we've got to start. <laughs> Title, Halloween 2. Okay, so we open up with Brian, a true crime pod- podcaster who is obsessed with the Laurie Michael story. Uh, he's interviewing Laurie in her... In- 
in the original, sorry, in the in the, in the other in the movie, was it their childhood home, or was it just a home? What? 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 Uh, sorry, Laurie's Where house. Laurie was living. Yeah. No, 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 no. That okay. that wasn't her house. Um, I don't think so. Okay, there. Um, Laurie's maybe moved back to her childhood home, which isn't too important, but can help me if if you know. Um, uh, so we established we established it's been a year since um, Michael's death in 2018. Basically, it's what, October 30th. Uh, Laurie's Laurie's uh, family is now crazy. Karen, the mum, is basically in denial and is trying to run away from her problems and her home and her family. Um, Laurie says she's like she's out exploring the world and finding herself. And Alison was committed a few days after the first film to psychiatric hospital. But Laurie seems fine. She says she has no contact with her family because all they see when they look at her is that night when Michael died. They don't see their grandmother anymore. Brian interrupts and tells Laurie there was a murder recently and they think Michael is back. Brian says he's going to go see Alison and try and get her side of the story. Um, and then there's a, there's a line in the first film uh, by the male, the male podcaster, I think, where he said something like, do you want to go see Michael? Do you want to go see the monster in his eyes or something, something like that? Um, mm. so here basically say the same thing again, but kind of about Alison and it's supposed, this is supposed to be quite similar to the first. She's, she's supposed to think, oh, maybe if I went before I could have stopped deaths and stuff. So this time she's like, okay, I'll go see Alison, uh, in the hospital. At the hospital, the doctors say Alison hasn't spoken almost a year and we can have some bullshit like Stockholm type syndrome where she's starting to take on some of her attackers qualities or something. Um, Laurie tries to talk to Alison but she doesn't respond Brian is giving Laurie a lift home when she gets a call from Karen she's flying home tonight Uh, that evening Laurie and Karen are at home and Laurie is trying to convince Karen of the whole Michael thing and it really happened but Karen is still in denial they get in a fight and Karen locks herself in the bedroom as she's crying Michael creeps out of the wardrobe and attacks Karen smothering her mouth so she can't scream after a struggle, Karen escapes and runs out of the room and tells Laurie Michael's in the room. Laurie goes into the room but can't see Michael. She walks back and Karen is in, in, is in such a state of shock she's basically gone into like a coma just on the chair. Uh, we have a quick scene where cops are obviously called and they explore the house. Um, but they basically say they see no trace of anyone is in that room and stuff. So they just believe, basically believe Karen's still crazy. They didn't really, she didn't really see Michael and they leave. Uh, Laurie believes Karen and thinks Michael is coming for her family. She remembers from the earlier hospital scene that Alison is being moved to another hospital tonight, uh, on Halloween of course, and Michael could take out the bus and kill her. Uh, she doesn't want to leave her mum, but she says her new house is just as safe as the old one. She throws a blanket around Karen and drives to the hospital. Uh, two ways into the next scene, uh, either Laurie could uh, ram the bus until it stops and, and she picks up Alison to show she's just uh, still tough but yeah, crazy. Or on the way to the hospital, like the first, you can kind of see a uh, crashed uh, bus into, into the woods and assume the worst. Uh, we have a scary scene of Michael killing the patient silently as Laurie calls out and looks. Michael sees Laurie and they can have a little fight, but Michael will throw her away as he sees Alison. Laurie is injured on the floor, uh, screams as, as Michael walks towards helpless, motionless Alison. But when he gets close enough, Alison sees a shard of a broken window on the ground and picks it up and stabs Michael in the throat. Uh, blood pours on Alison, basically baptising her almost, uh, who's completely emotionless. Uh, Michael sinks to the floor. Alison spends a few moments looking at this lifeless face on this mask, and then she starts to take it off the man. When she takes it off, Laurie sees the man as Brian, and she, we're flashed back to an earlier when uh, Brian says something about like nut jobs who get so into their work become their work, and yeah, he's basically crazy and he wants to keep Michael's spirit going. Um, Alison stares at the mask and then she starts to put it on. Laurie cries out for her to stop, but Alison doesn't listen. She fits the mask on and takes the knife out of Brian's hand and then turns to Laurie. Laurie's not, uh, Laurie's not sure what to do, but Alison starts to walk over to her. Laurie starts to, uh, tries to stop Alison, but she runs away. 
At the house, Laurie sees that uh, Karen is fine. Suddenly, the lights go out. A window smashes upstairs, and Laurie goes to investigate. As she does, we see Alison, who I'll refer to as Michael now, because she's basically taken on his persona. Michael heads up to the front door. He sees a number lock, and it looks like he's it looks like he's I know, stumped or thinking. Basically, obviously, there's no emotion on his mask. Um, but then he puts in a four. He puts in four digits into the code, and it opens up. And I'm trying to go for maybe like Alison is is in there a little bit, but it's uh, you know, and also a, a psycho killer that was that kind of knows you personally, and you actually can't like run or hide from. Uh, so Michael walks into the house and gets lost basically in the shadows as Laurie comes down the stairs, sees the front door is open, and then shuts it, goes looking through the house for Michael. Uh, classic Act Three horror scares with Michael chasing Laurie around the house. She tries to run, but Michael, knowing her. Um, you know, can uh, anticipate traps um, and uh, avoid them and basically just keep finding Laurie. At one point, Michael kills Karen very unemotionally and Karen doesn't move at any point. Not when Michael is, uh, not when Michael is slowly walking over to her and not when the knife like goes into whatever bit she, he's going to stab her. Um, at one point, there, Laurie has the chance to kill uh, Michael. Either her the mask falls off showing her granddaughter or she just remembers it's basically her granddaughter. So she, she kind of like, she doesn't and then Michael attacks her. Uh, at the end, there's a big fight. Basically, Laurie has uh, kitted out her house like the first one, and she basically blows it up. But she managed to grab Karen just before the house blows up. Michael's inside it. Uh, but yeah, when the firemen search the remains later, they say they find no body. Uh, we end with uh, we end with Karen's funeral and Laurie's POV, where she's seeing everyone at the funeral in the mask, and they all just basically look at her. She starts to hyperventilate, and then we cut to black. Okay. Thank you. So, same question for you, Andy. What are you trying? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to achieve with this sequel? Just um, a new, a new sort of psychological thriller, I guess. Trying to just no, no big message. Just trying to keep more of the, the psychological. What if it was? What if this psycho killer was now a family member? You know, who could? Who still kind of remembers who they are slightly? So yeah, they you just can't run away from them any anymore okay all right we're gonna do a reasonably quick debate round here um so i'm gonna sit back i've got i've got some ideas i i think i know i know which way i'm leaning and so but that means that two of you have an opportunity to maybe change my mind um so whenever you're ready jump in firstly you should pick mine uh, because mine's an actual homage to the first one, which is um, which is a slasher movie. It doesn't have to be a supernatural. The mask, like these guys, have focused on the mask, which is cool. It's a cool concept. Uh, like it's basically Jim Carrey's The Mask, but horror version. Um, and I don't think that. I don't know. I think Andy kills off a lot of his characters. I kill off Jamie Lee Curtis because I want to have it for the next film, if there is going to be one, the younger actors uh, take on the role. Um, where and yeah, I think I'm. I, yeah, I think mine's good. So yeah, pick mine. I think yours is and okay. Andy's is fucking long as well. Andy's is so yeah, long. Yeah, apologies, mine was a bit long. <laughs> I mean, the uh, guy that spent twenty minutes ripping apart this movie for being too long. There's nothing. There's no fluff in my movie. Everything's yeah. perfect. Um, <laughs> Ross's is just a bit boring. And how if if there's no you. magic involved, how the fuck does that guy survive in Inferno? 
Yeah. We'll ask yeah, that to that, the that actual needs a, normal that needs sequel. Well, hey, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, they suggest that there's magic involved in this mask you did. Um, so mine, mine does. Mine actually explains how the mask reforms. Andy doesn't go into detail about his mask. It's just kind of picked yeah. You up use by Ez, Brian. you use Ezra Miller for like the mm. first ten minutes of the movie, no, and then he has a mask. He's oh. half there throughout. It's just you've got Nick Castle's scar eye because it's really symbolic. It's, Is that because Ezra Miller so he doesn't have a mask on? So he doesn't have the mask. Yeah, he, no, he has no, half the mask for some the reason. He, w- he walks around sideways like that. <laughs> He's, no, got what? he's got the whole got... mask on and then he burns off a bit and reveals some of Miller. But you can okay. see the scarred eye through ads. Anyway, stop and leave my mask alone. Mine is a much more comprehensive, taps into the supernatural nature of the mask. How big I feel is it? Like... How big is George Ezra, uh, Ezra Miller? Sorry. George Ezra. <laughs> How big is Ezra Miller? Really I quite like the idea right. that he could be a bit shorter, but more nimble. And, and so they used to a slow. Are you just going to I mean... talk over my defence or what? Like this is why I should. No, that was Drew. He was singing. Me. Right, go on. Carry on. I, I was singing. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. Right. Why? Well, I How... should still win for that reason. And Go it's ahead. also, it's clever. There's a lot more to it. Again, mine touches on the unity of the family that Ross went and stole from me because I went first. <laughs> mine touches on the importance of the mask and, you know, other stuff that Andy stole off me because I went first. So basically, these guys just heard that mine was the best pitch and then just stole ideas while they were talking. Um, and I was like, yeah, cool. It's because mine's the best. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Okay, there we go. Let's start. Okay, where is it? Ross. Yeah, I, I Ross. just Ross, just on okay, just Ross. on to just on to Matt, I am very scared of uh, Ezra Miller's 1.8 meter height. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would scare me yeah. if if you know, you know how big his faster, biceps he's are, more though? nimble. Do you know how big he's his biceps nimble. are, Ross? That's not scary. The whole like, thing is he's a big fucking four inches probably, like, like tall fucker that's like scary and imposing. You're just bringing yeah, anyway, back the just... same adversary. I'm bringing something new. Terry it's Cruz. like the evolved version. Yeah, you you're know, bringing on the, the symbiote, the symbiote fucking mask, the enemies and everything else. Hey, goes blood. Give me blood. Give me blood. Exactly, it's blood. magic mask. I, I yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on the on the like the mask speaking to him and <laughs> stuff like blood. Like who was is that it, kind of voice? Please, but, can um... it be William Shatner's voice? So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it gets me the what? win, it can Give be fucking whoever you want. Yeah, it could be Will Ferrell's voice if it gets me the <laughs> as win. As soon as he puts on the mask, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, carry on. Sorry, Andy. So I want to point out that I actually uploaded my pitch first, Matt. And so uh, anything that was copied, <laughs> read because pitch. Matt's very similar to mine, so I, I can't read tell, talk much. I don't have time for oh that. yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. We just see who uploaded theirs first, eh, and see who copied whose. So that's because you spoke first. Um, so Matt's is fine, basically, because yeah, it's half of mine, but not as good. Uh, he really decides to go down the super supernatural route rather than kind of leaving it big ambiguous. Um, I was a bit worried about how many scares and thrills and stuff there actually would be. Um, does... But at least I don't kill a baby Something in the about my notes. first five yeah. minutes oh, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. So, Drew would turn your movie off. He even wait said it. Minute, if wait the, a Drew had seen a baby yes. die, he would have turned off. He'd turn your movie yeah. off before <laughs> the fucking opening credits <laughs> It's too run. scary. That's right. It's too scary. He can't that pick yours because no. you can't fucking watch it, Drew. That is true. You do kill... Uh, like hey. in, the, in the first one, he like strangles the kid, which is, you know, pretty graphic. We don't actually see this kid die, though. We just um, see his... You said he pitches up his head. His head rolls off. He doesn't... You see him he's already dead in the bed. You, you don't see him bed. That, 
that's not that. I don't think that's as a less horrific better, as you it? think it is. We're not seeing a kid die. We're just seeing a dead kid. We see a decapitated <laughs> child whose head rolls out of a fucking crib. Hey, okay. it all made you go. That Whoa! is so, fucked hey, up. Right. Enough, of, enough of Matt. Matt's is basically just not as good as mine. Basically, it's, it's half of mine and not as good. You've got new Michael. Um, Must yeah. be the good half because I off. fucking don't want half of what Laurie you got. Does Laurie know this isn't? The, the new Michael, or is does she think this is the old Michael? Look, Laurie's scared of the mask. She's fighting the mask. Right, not the like, mask, uh, Jim Carrey. Weird not... if, like this was a new Michael, but she didn't know it was or didn't reference it. Well, I mean, um, let's just with, make with her Ross, granddaughter the fucked up Mike Myers. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Make this family. Keep it in the family. Ross, I kind of agree with uh, Matt. It was a bit boring, but I was thinking it may be a bit short. It's more like a, maybe a first episode of a series, which I thought might be all right. I think he said something about me killing off people, but how many random people do you kill off? Ah, yeah, well, you Loads need some cannon legs. fodder. No, I mean main characters. Then you kill um, off Karen and everyone, like... Yeah, kill off Karen, and that's, that's it. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, there... And, and, and some of the, uh, and, uh, the inmates going to, on, the, on the bus, um, yeah. being transported. Where did Michael get a picture of Allison that he just left on this, like, cop car? Uh, he found it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, if you're good, like, that's that's a very small plot point. No, uh, if we want to ask questions, laugh, Andy, like, why can't you like, decide like, how the bus crashes? Mm. Why do we need to decide that for you? <laughs> oh, yeah, you just go, oh, this could happen, or this could... Like, yeah, there's the- two ways. We could either show that Laurie is, like, crazy and still mean and still tough, because we haven't really shown it at that point. Or we I could feel like you need to decide your like, character's oh. journey's picture. I don't no, feel no, like no, you I'm can giving you two options. rely on... Well, whoever makes this movie, it will be them to pick. Because either way works. Oh, what? Uh, so pick mine. Is, 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 is a true homage to the first of the slashes and the stalkers. It's not got too much gore, just enough, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I, I, I play more into this mask, this magical mask that I've just written this note down. Um, yeah, which I think, yeah, uh, was it like Matt's does or Ross's doesn't? How does uh, Brian yeah, mine's, get the mask? Mine's a true, a true stalkery thriller. With how does it, yeah how did they get them how, how does he get the mask? Well, Brian, oh, he would have made his own. It's from, it's oh, from so, hang on, store. you can't make your own because you're saying the mask it's is magic, and then no, he just he... makes the magic mask from nowhere. Like just yeah. gonna sew this together, <laughs> gonna sew this potato sack together. So, oh god, it's what, magic! What Andy's, ah! saying, what Andy's saying is that magic William stream. Shatner's inside-out <laughs> face is inherently evil. <laughs> Welcome to the magical mask shop. Which mask would you like? <laughs> all right okay i'm um i'm gonna jump in there that was there's some good points and all of you were making points about uh, all of you were were basically just reinforcing all the stuff that i was already thinking which is probably a good thing um running running through my thoughts in the order that you pitched in um i so matt i think i i liked that you like i said earlier i like that you leaned in to the 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 mask being or there being mysticism and something evil going on i think that i think whilst ross has a point that he's not physically imposing and it and you might have to work hard to make it scary i do think that your point that ezra miller could be a really creepy serial killer baddie i think is a very good point thinking um, uh, fantastic beast vibes yeah, exactly. He's like I I genuinely believe he could do a really good job at that. Um and my issues are it feels very slight. It it feels like it is 
just basically three set pieces, one of which is basically just a rehash of the end of the previous film. Um, and that that is that is an issue. Um, also, for me, kind of interesting that we talk about the mask being evil and like you guys didn't remember the original film so i'm not gonna like mark you down super harshly for this but he kills his sister in 1963 wearing a clown mask from his halloween costume when he's like 10 and so the the idea of the mask being the thing for me doesn't work particularly i can see where you're coming from and this film in particular really does make it seem like the mask is fucking magic but i i'm i don't know how that sits with me uh, moving on to ross um i really like that yours picks up straight away and i was like oh cool awesome it's just going it's just like picking up pace it can basically be like mad max fury road of horror movies it's just going to get going and get started we don't need anything else and then it skips to a year later (laughs) oh okay it's got to happen on hallow's eve you know well yeah this is that's fair um i did there are some I, i i felt like yours maybe had the most in the pitch the most plot holes but not necessarily things that couldn't be fixed with a couple of lines of dialogue but like if they've moved to a beach house somewhere how does he find them um yeah why did michael kill those cops outside laurie's house but then leave laurie alive why where did that picture of ali come from that kind of stuff um i have to say that your ending where the end of the movie is he- is hearing him stop breathing i really liked that that really got me i like that a lot but yeah th- definitely some some plot holes that would need fixing yeah um andy i i feel like i i i like much as we joke about i'd turn the film off straight away i'm i i have no doubt that 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 would be a really shocking opening to a movie and it would have to be staged really horrific because the the act of having a severed head roll around can be so easily like Comedy. unintentionally yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, to be honest, so I don't think it would. To... I think I think I basically did that for my my pitch. If I was actually going to make this, I think the head would stay up and it would all just be in the body. Like she just. So I think the, the yeah. head probably would stay there. But but yeah, it, it, but it definitely <laughs> would be effective. Also, Karen's death, the the way that you've pictured that happening, and just no reaction to being stabbed. It kind of it reminded me of Ex Machina when one of the androids in Ex Machina just slowly walks up, it doesn't extend her arm, just walks a knife into Oscar Isaac's back, and it's just like... And so that was super effective. Um, I I do think, genuinely, I liked... I loved that thing that you mentioned about a serial killer being someone who knows you really well, who's anticipating you and kind of hunting you. That felt scary to me. Um, But... First off, the issue of it just being another podcaster, I was like, Did "This what? <laughs> yeah, why is it? Why is it? Why couldn't it just be a journalist or just someone?" There's else? no journalist these days. Everyone's podcasters. Well, it it just yeah that kind of like I was like, "Oh no, don't do that." Um, but then also, I have to admit, while I get what you're going for with the ongoing trauma and what this 
like what in real life it might be like if you were stuck in the back of a police car with a psycho killer and watched him kick a man's head in on the curb and have to stab him in the arm and burn him to death it it like it feels like a real shift to have karen particularly become like catatonic and completely deny everything when she very confidently shot a man in the face like calculatedly and confidently shot him in the face and was like yeah fuck you buddy and then to be like one year later just completely ignore that it happened um so i'm gonna wrap this up and i'm not i'm not gonna make you i'm not going to build the tension or make you wait for a jump scare this week's winner is ross <gasps> boo i want to speak to your manager drew what is going on <laughs> um i i will explain why like i said genuinely the stuff that i liked about your guys i it, it is again it's one of those situations where if we could find a way to smush them all together um i i think i i think there are there are elements of this that would either work so brilliantly in other movies. Ezra Miller as a psycho killer is a pitch for a whole movie basically in on and of itself. I love that. That's inspired. Likewise, a serial killer who knows you intimately and is hunting you is a terrifying concept. And I think that could really work. Ezra but... Miller, the psycho killer that's hunting you. Well, well, me and exactly. we've got a movie, mate. We better talk after this. <laughs> Ezra yeah, Miller. You guys need to write it down. Psycho killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately, for me, the uh, Andes had it under. It almost undercuts the message of the previous film too much by damaging these women so badly. When the message of the previous film is is these women deciding not to be victims and taking power and then it all just all gets stripped away from them and Matt's it just felt a bit too slight and focusing on the mask being the magical thing whilst I can see where you're coming from it just didn't work for me in the context of the 1978 film then 2018 and Ross's I I like fuck the 78 film (laughs) bruv this is all about the 2018 (laughs) film get with the times brother (laughs) <laughs> but yeah ad- admirable pitches um but yeah i think with with a few with a few bits to fill the plot holes whilst it, it it's not necessarily the most original i do feel like ross's carries it on and ends the series in a poignant way so ross you have won this week well done thank you um, so, could you please tell us what we all need to go away and watch? So, we are going to do our first ever 2021 sequel. Ooh. So, we're doing a sequel to a 2021 movie. It's a franchise. Um, it is called The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Fuck. Oh, I want to see your no. sequels to the scary, scary film The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Amazing. Oh, oh fuck, I mean, that's no. amazing. Um, I can't wait to see what uh, you come up with, especially Drew. <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> that means you've got to watch you so three bad. movies as well. So, yay. 
no. Oh, oh well. and maybe watch the Annabel movies as well because they're actually part of the Conjuring universe. Uh, oh, and the Nun because the be Nun fucking... is also part of the Conjuring <laughs> universe. Um, there's quite a lot of horror films for you to watch, Drew, if you want to really get into the Conjuring <laughs> universe. I I don't have time to watch that many horror movies. You should make time. You. They're I brilliant. I have a I have a small child. Like some of these movies, I can put I can put on while he's playing in the living room. <laughs> I can't put these on. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that right now. Oh well, okay. Well, thank you for that, Ross. You're welcome. Could have picked. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of a sequel pitch. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, if you haven't, if you have any thoughts on anyone's pitches, did I make the right choice? Did I make the wrong choice? If you liked someone's pitch, give them some love. You can find all of us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find the the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Sequel Pitch. So that's it from us. So I will say goodbye from this week's winner, Ross Harmston. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye from admirable runner-up number one, Andy Henry. Boo-bye! Boo-bye. Boobies. Boobies. Is that the plural of boobies? Boo-bye. No, it's just the one. The one booby is the boo-bye. And goodbye from admirable runner-up number two, Matthew Rushton. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. We will see you for the next episode when I have thoroughly melted my brain from watching scary, scary movies. Happy Halloween!